0: Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we have a fun show for you all today. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast. And on this week's episode, I was joined by a good friend of mine, Josh Kirshner. Josh, known as the Dialed In Hunter, is on his social media accounts and has made a name for himself in the hunting world over the last decade with his hard work and determination. Josh was a guest on the podcast all the way back on episode 11. It is awesome to have him on again and catch up with the record button hit. And within this episode, we get into a really fun conversation that will not only apply to Western hunters getting ready to leave, hopefully, to fill a tag here in the next short couple of days, but also for whitetail hunters. Some key topics we discuss in this podcast are how the goal to be more consistent started the Dialed In Hunter endeavor, his insanely successful 2022 season, and going beyond e-scouting, planning on what, where, and when to hunt specific states, and thinking outside the box on a bow hunt. We get an introduction to Josh and how his love for the outdoors really came about, moving from New York to hunting Arizona with his father. From here, we get into starting his writing career and how getting into this specific space is really a difficult one. From there, we dove into some great stories from this past season where Josh, again, it was extremely successful. It seemed like no matter where Josh was hunting or what animal, it didn't take long for him to notch his tag. Then we get into what Josh does to go beyond just looking at a map and how he leveled up his game when it comes to e-scouting. Following this discussion, we get into really an article that Josh wrote for Go Hunt and how no matter what species you are hunting or where you are located, you'll get something out of this specific topic, I promise. So check it out. Let us know what you think. Enjoy this fun episode. We'll see you next week. Antler up. Tether is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting, designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter. Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at America's Best Bowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the antler up podcast for America's best bowstrings use code antler up and you will save $10 off your order. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform go wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on go wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. All right, everybody, let's get into this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode. I'm joined by a good friend of mine who have been dying to get caught up with over the last couple months, weeks. We stay in touch here and there, but uh, to have a full-blown conversation, it's been a while, and I'm joined on the other line by the dialed-in hunter, Josh Kirshner. Josh, dude, appreciate you coming on, being a big inspiration uh, to me, dude.
1: Oh, yeah, I appreciate you saying that, man. Um, Yeah, no, happy to come on. It's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> since you and I have like officially jumped on a podcast, you were telling me um the last time I was on was episode 11 and we're on like 180 something here, right? Yep. That's wild, yep. dude. Yeah. You yeah, you and I have stayed in contact like kind of through the years and stuff so through text, but It's been a while since we actually got to have a chat like this, so I'm excited.
0: Big inspiration to me as far as the cinematic things go, as far as photography goes, as to be a good individual, to have a good work-life balance with family. You know, even though, again, it's been probably almost a year that we've talked on the phone and we always do those, those like hour and a half, two hour just talks on the phone when, when you have that time and we're like, shoot, we should have hit the record button, but we just catch up, which is totally fine by me. You know, it's just awesome to see where you're at in your life. And I I do want to maybe discuss a little bit about that just because regardless of what industry or whatever you're, wherever you're listening from, regardless of what you're into uh, a field of work, I think you could apply it to what a lot of, what Josh has done, and again from afar, it's some pretty cool stuff. So again, so we talked about how it was episode 11, Josh. Since then, we probably, I hopefully, we have a bunch of new listeners. So what, you know, introduce yourself a little bit since since that time frame. If people uh, have yet to really go on, go hunt, or you know, seen you on Vortex, Onyx, all these other d- different platforms. You know, who are you? Where are you coming from? And you could go as Short-winded, long-winded, as, as you like.
1: Uh, yeah, so my name is Josh Kirchner. I live down here in Arizona uh, in the desert. Um, and uh, Dad brought me up hunting. You know what I mean? I was fortunate to have that. Uh, as a kid, brought me into outdoors, fishing, camping, and, and, and hunting. I think I went on my first hunt when I was, like, eight, um, which came – after moving from New York, I used to, I lived in New York like the first eight years of my life and I never even saw a mountain before. So it like, all of that was so far removed from what I knew life to be at the time. And, uh, went out on my first hunt with my dad and it was literally the first time I ever went camping ever, never slept outside. (laughs) We had elk come through the camp at night, which was wild. That was like scared the living heck out of me. You know what I mean? Being a little kid, it was cold, (laughs) And, uh, but my dad was nice enough to bring me out with him a few times while we were there to try to show me some deer and, and I, you know, he did. And it was like some of those, I can like still vividly, I'm 37 years old right now. And I can still like vividly see those deer that my dad showed me walking into, uh, where he was hunting. And, um, that's kind of stuck with me you know, ever since. And, uh, and then it became an annual thing, you know, would go on deer hunts with my dad every year. Yeah. I looked forward to it every single year. Uh, a lot of it was uh, not getting to go to school. That was awesome. Right. Um, (laughs) but, but being able to go out there and just like, I mean, these, these times I had with my dad out there was like the first time I ever drank coffee and like the, you know, getting up early with dad and putting on way too many clothes you know, and, uh, wondering what we were going to see. And we never, we never got anything, you know, but it didn't <laughs> matter. Um, it, like, cause I got to spend these awesome times with my dad out there. Um, once I got into my early twenties though, I really, um, for several reasons, it's like, wanted to take hunting a lot more seriously. Like I was like, I really want to like, how, how the heck are people successful? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, Like I got some stuff here and there with my dad. Like we got some javelina and stuff, which was fun. But, but like in terms of consistency, like I never experienced that. Um, and I wanted to figure it out. So, uh, I, I just dove in head first, man, and, and really tried to, uh, hit the ground running and learn about like truly why, like the workings of everything, right? Like if I see a deer on a certain hill, okay, well, why is that deer on that hill right there? Right. right. right? All those things. And, um, through that, I started a blog, uh, called dialed in hunter. And it was a, basically a way for me to, have like an online journal and kind of document everything really. There's like my failures, my little bit of successes I had and just kind of everything I learned along the way. Like maybe I found a new piece of gear that I didn't know about and I was excited about it and I thought it helped me out. And I wanted to share that um, and really just have something to look back on for myself. But in all honesty, I didn't really know anyone was reading it. Um, I was just kind of writing and, leaving it at that. And through that, uh, I got some editors started emailing me and asking me, Hey, you know, would you be interested in writing this story you know, for our magazine or for our online publication? And, um, I remember the first time that really happened was uh, I shot a bear. It was my first black bear ever in Arizona. And, uh, the editor of bear hunting mag emailed me, and wanted me to write a story, and he's like, "Yeah, and we'll pay you X amount." Like, he, I'm like, "What? You're gonna pay me to write about hunting, right?" Um, and I couldn't believe that, man. because <laughs> like, the only way I've ever known how to make a living, dude, is is uh, so I was a roofer for 15 years. So the only way I've ever known how to put food on the table is by real hard manual labor. You know, mm-hmm. so. Um, I didn't think I was going to get rich off it or anything like that. Right. Like I didn't think I was going to quit my job, but it was really cool to know that. So I wrote that story and and honestly from there, it just kind of snowballed and I just started writing, you know, for more magazines and more online publications and stuff. And it kind of led me to the point of, you know, I got really into photography because my wife, was a wedding photographer and I was bugging her to come out and take photos for my articles. And she's like, I need to teach you how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's how I learned. Ph- that's, how we, that's how I learned photography. And, uh, and then we branched, I branched into video honestly, because not everyone reads right. sadly, you know, we live in a very visual, uh, age right now and uh, video does really well. So I try to combine like what I love about writing with, with what I love about imagery, um, into video. And, um, it got to, it just got snowballed to the point where I had no choice. I had to quit my job because it was mm-hmm. getting to be way too much and wrote a book. And now I am sitting here talking to you and, and just, you know, living the dream kind of, I guess, right. Like I'm just waiting for someone to pinch me, you know, cause yeah. it's just, It's amazing. I'm grateful every day I wake up and get to do this.
0: Dude, I want to talk about the one thing about your story that I find very fascinating is the fact that when you moved out there as a young kid and you were hunting with your dad, you kind of had to learn the ropes right from the get-go. It wasn't this, you know, you moved to Arizona and already had this foundation of hunting, right? It's not like if you were to move now to Pennsylvania and, and totally revamp your uh hunting lifestyle from western to to the whole whitetail side of things you would have a great base like you know how to get after it and go where when you were starting as a young kid out there that was something all totally fresh and new and i love the fact that you were so curious enough to go and say to yourself i want to be more consistent like you said you had fun doing all the killing the and but to be more consistent when it came to either the bear which i know you felt you know you have a whole that's a whole part of your heart you know i know you're big into that but sure. like the mule deer and going out to other states for elk and and utah for elk it's just so fun to to just see your growth and development as far as as far as that goes because i think that fire and that drive of what you had there is what is really instilled to a lot of myself and and the listeners out there just because it's that's i think in the end side of things that's where we side. want to be we want to be more consistent and heck even last year even though i killed a only a doe during the rifle season that was my last year was my most consistent year consistent seeing deer, deer being on deer, deer possibly have deer. an opportunity so that's that that was the name of the game so even though and i took that leap up i think and this past spring i had a great spring with with turkey hunting and i'm hopefully going to carry that into the fall man so it's just so awesome to hear and i love the other side of things of learning the camera and the cinematic uh, as far as photography goes and the filming goes now let me ask you a question here because when i was out scouting in ohio this past uh earlier in the week with two buddies we we're, we got into discussion like i still do read the magazines and i know like you said you do a lot of online publications where do you see that line of the, the, written stuff still going on in the magazines and all that. And compared to the publications for online, which one do you feel like is more uh, viewed in a sense?
1: So um, in terms of getting eyes, uh, I personally believe that like i before I say this, I want to, I want to express my love for magazines. Like I, I, I I am like you, I truly love a physical thing to hold in my hand. You know, and get to flip through the pages, and the, like the sounds of that is addicting to me. The pages flipping and stuff, and and reading these stories and from people I've never heard of. Yep. You know, like just like regular Joe's out there getting after it, writing hunting stories. I love that. Um, but in terms of eyes, I think online publication crushes print because for a few reasons. Uh, one uh, it's the internet. So it's a deep, deep pool. Right. Yep. Um, and that, that pool never goes away. Right. So what I mean by that is like, you get a, like magazines get lost. Right. Mm-hmm. You, and, but for somebody that wants to learn about deer hunting or something like that, they just go on Google and be like, okay, that, 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 you know, how do I, you know, hunting whitetail deer during the rut or whatever they want to know about. And there is a, massive library of, of articles that are evergreen Mm -hmm. that are, that are there and you can read them whenever you want. It's not, where did that magazine go? I can't find that. I remember I really liked reading that, that article. And I don't know where the heck that magazine went and to go through the process of like being like, okay, well maybe I can buy it again. Right. That's like, that's just like too much work for today. Like it's just, there's too many steps, you know? So yeah. like it deters, I'm seriously, it's yeah. sad, but that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, and it deters, you know, I think people from going through and following through with that. I still subscribe to like, I think I subscribe to like two or three magazines that yep. I still really like. Um, but in the past it was out of, out of control. I was just, I, like, I was just, like, getting stacks of magazines all the time, man, you know, just, like, trying to, yeah. like, soak up as much info as possible. Um, and then the other thing um, with the online thing is uh, the barrier to entry. Um, magazines can be tough to get into. Like, if, you're, if you want to, like, start writing and stuff, I remember, right. like, cracking that code. Um, it, I, I did have help, right, because some editors contacted me but if no that hasn't happened man that's hard mm-hmm. you know you're you're sending cold emails to editors and you want to try to get in the magazines and they get so many of these messages all the time um and and to know that they actually read your email or not is kind of up in the air you don't know so you can so what, what i'm getting at is uh for online stuff like anyone can start a blog you know, and just start writing. And I think the barrier to entry on online freelance is lower too. Like for people that want to write for like a website or something like that, that, that that's not like nearly as tall of a hill to climb than a print magazine. Right. Right. So, um, as much as I love magazines, um, what I have noticed through the years, and this is, this is no secret. Okay. I think some magazines are going to remain, but uh, I'm noticing year after year, some magazines are coming out with less and less issues per year. Uh-huh. So like maybe five years ago, you know, this magazine over here had 12 issues. Well, now maybe there's only four. Right. So um, I hope they don't, completely go away but i mean the, the online thing definitely crushes man yeah. it, it really does
0: take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from exodus outdoor gear they have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures just head over to exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door you have two arrows to choose from. One being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at ExodusOutdoorGear.com. That's kind of what I've seen from my own personal experience, just because I'm like, man, I, I, I'm only getting for those magazines, like you're just saying in anymore, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it is tougher and people consume and heck you could go online and just how to, how to prepare for a backpack hunt. I mean, you're going Mm -hmm. to get tons of information and the one really cool thing is you actually wrote a book about that. And you know, from that first, a podcast that we did on episode eleven, dude. You just dropped it at that point in time. I was getting ready for my first Utah hunt. I used that to help me get prepared and, and all that stuff. So I, I mean, we we'll talk about that. I, I have a question regarding yeah. that later. But man, how how was your spring? And I I know you could however you want to go about it. I want to hear a recap of your spring. But man, last year you had a killer year. So. Uh, no. And uh, you, you had that redemption buck. So if you want to go into that redemption buck first, or <laughs> you want to cover first, your spring, you, come, you go for it.
1: I, uh, yeah, no, I'll, uh, yeah, no, last year was, was, was incredible. I, I um, I'm not big on, uh, like size. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never been that guy. Like, don't get me wrong. I like big bucks and bears and stuff like that, but I'm not, I'm not the guy that goes out and says, Oh, he needs to be one eighty or nothing. Yeah. That that's not me. It's and it's probably never going to be me. Yeah,
0: um, I love that about you.
1: But the uh, <laughs> last year, dude, I just kind of like I got the biggest of everything I've gotten so far. Which I'm I'm not saying I killed two hundred inch deer. That's not it at all. Okay, but it was these feats. Like the 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 year before that, that like right before um, last year, I killed the biggest bear of my life you know, and it was the biggest pack out, the most gnarliest pack out I ever had too. I mean, I was like legitimately worried about my friends of like getting hurt. It's oh, wow. It was gnarly. Um, but I came out with like, what I was like, dang, I killed the last grizzly in Arizona. Like it was like a big <laughs> bear. Man. So, so then, then after that, I got my biggest archery coos buck, you know, and it was just like it was just, it was just really cool. And I didn't plan it like that. It just kind of happened, you know? Um, and maybe that is, uh, maybe it's a patience thing, uh-huh. you know, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, you, you know, you do something for a while and you you, you gain this sense of being calm, you know, and, and, uh, kind of looking stuff over more stuff like that. You know what I mean? But I was by no means shooting for numbers. Um, that buck was awesome. He ended up in full draw film tour. Um, the film that we did called yeah. adoration, um, I was just beyond grateful to be a part of that. I, I have been, uh, an admirer of full draw film tour since the beginning, since, since, you know, the born and raised guys had it, you know? And, uh, I remember being at my first one in Arizona and it was like, there's like 15 people there now it's sold out right here. So to see that grow has been great. So to, and to be a part of that was a privilege. Film. And then after that, you know, You know, I went, you know, I had a great spring bear season in Arizona. I I killed a great, you know, just a solid jet black boar with my bow solo. Um, I think it took like six, seven days or something like that. And he was the first bear I saw. Actually, I was on these bears like every single day, just like two ships passing in the dark. I could see their tracks and the sign of them and everything, but we just never crossed paths. And then finally you know, last minute, like basically last five minutes of light, you know, here he comes, comes sauntering in, you know, like a ghost and 30 yard shot and he went 20 yards and fell over. It was just unreal, man. Um, And then after that, I went to Utah and that was solo two, first first time doing that hunt solo Um, and packed in and, and shot a buck on the first day. Well, the first full day I was there, I went in and slept woke up and was seeing a bunch of deer. And then I moved basins cause I wasn't seeing like any, like, uh, I kept seeing like little, little dink bucks, like mm-hmm. little spikes and forkies and stuff. And I was like, man, I'm not there yet. This is the first day. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so I went around and, and topped out over to Southern basin and found this buck bedded lo- alone. And uh, I was like, I was man, he's in a perfect spot. I went down there, just got everything on film. Thirty-five yards, really proud of the shot because, like, it, the distance wasn't a lot, but like he was bedded, and there was there was like a like an overhanging branch here, and then a boulder right here, and he was in between it. So I had to like really be like precise with the yeah. shot. I was like, man, I hope it don't hit that rock because this is gonna <laughs> blow up if I do. <laughs> But uh, he made a perfect shot, and you know, got to pack him out solo um, that night back to camp, and then packed him out with my camp all in one go the next day. Um, and I literally just like a few weeks ago, my I had bruised toenails from that hunt in last August. Yep, they just finally went away like a few weeks ago. We're in July. Okay. And I told my wife, I'm like, I'm gonna go do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then, and then, uh, and then after that, what what happened after that? I, I had a real short hunt in, in, uh, Colorado, which, uh, was more of like a nostalgic thing. I just kind of, I went back to this area that I, it was the first place I ever went backpack hunting out of state and, um, just had a cool experience being alone. Didn't really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, didn't run into any bears or anything like that. And then I had a great hunt in Idaho in October, uh, tried out this camera guy for the first time ever. We met for the first time ever at a trailhead at one thirty in the morning in the <laughs> middle of nowhere in Idaho. And, uh, we hit it off. He's going to be with me pretty like throughout most of my hunts this year. Cool. Uh, he filmed my last coosier hunt and the spring bear hunt. That's going to come out pretty soon in September. Sweet. Um, so got along great. We killed a great buck. It was kind of a mirror image of the August hunt. Like we packed in gnarly pack in, uh, it took us like six, seven hours to get into camp and, uh, slept, woke up the next day First light, found a buck, went over there. I was like, wow, that's a great buck and shot him. That was it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like we
1: packed, and, then we, and then we packed and that was a rifle hunt and we packed we packed out that night and got back to the trucks at like 1130 at night. And just that, that was that incredible, wow. you know, incredible journey. Um, and then I tried to do your, your dealy. I went out to Nebraska to try to get after some whiteies okay, yep. and, uh, yep. And, uh, that was cool. I need to, I, I need to learn more about that, but that was, so I, the first thing I tried out there was, so they have the sand hills in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I feel like I could do that. I know how to do that the spot and stock thing. I couldn't buy a deer track though. I tell you what, man, like, it was tough going, man. And then, and then I talked to, I did find a couple of small bucks in one of them. I I was like, he was like a just a like a small basket racked little dink three point. I'm like, I don't care. I'm trying to, yep. I'm going to try to go over there and get him. And uh, he he winded, he I ended up getting winded on that. And then uh, but then a buddy hooked me up with a like a small piece of uh, what do you guys call those like wildlife? area or something Mm -hmm. like it was just a strip just like this little strip along the highway was so weird for me okay uh and that had a bunch of deer in it but 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 i didn't get there until like i only had like a day to hunt there um and i was like man i feel like i've had another couple days here maybe i would at least get a doe out of the area um but it was so weird sitting there like there's trucks going by <laughs> yeah. like semi trucks going by in the background. And I'm just like, that is so weird. Ford.
0: So for me,
1: like, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then, uh, so that was cool. And then, uh, went home, hung out January, came along, had a great coosier hunt, uh, shot the wrong buck, <laughs> which was just funny. Uh, what are the odds? He had this, I won't go too much into it, but he had this. So one side of his, his head had this like hook that came down. Okay. And the other side, he's only like a, he's only a two point with a little eye guard, I think. But the buck I was going after had this same exact hook that came down, but he was a big three point on this side, like same side and everything has to be like the same genetics. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they played a switcheroo on me, you know, and I saw that <laughs> hook, saw this buck come out running these does. I saw that hook. And I'm like, there he is. Shunk went down there. And I was like, that's not the same deer. <laughs> deer. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, so, <laughs> so, um, so that was cool, but that was a great, great hunt with friends and stuff, you know, just out there in the back, in the back country with buddies hunting coos deer. And then this past spring I, uh, I went to Idaho um, with that camera guy and we, and we, we, we packed in and found a, a, a great bear the, the first morning we were there. Um, not a, not a big bear by any means, but just a real pretty bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, saw him at seven 30 in the morning, made a big go at him and shot him at five thirty, I think. Um, and didn't get back to camp until midnight, like midnight 30 or something. And uh, I think we did like 7,000 feet elevation gain and loss that day. (laughs) It was wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. And that's just going to, I'm so excited to release that film. Um, really proud of how it turned out. You know, I, I, I told him next time I was like, dude, next time we need to stay out here a little longer.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: I'm like it this feels like that's like the thing that happens with us is we we sleep one night and then find something the next day it's like well let's go you know let's yep. go get them yep. <laughs> so um but that yeah that's that's been my that's been my uh up until right now man uh sorry to be long-winded dude but, i love um, it yeah it was just very eventful and um i just can't wait to see what 2023 brings
0: oh man i I need to steal, like, a little mini sliver of that Lucky Horseshoe Man. Like, just, like, a paint chip of it. Just send it my way. Send it to PA, dude, because I could could use some of that. Dude, that's awesome. Like I said, from watching from afar, it's just been so great to see all the adventures you're going on. And, and obviously, the success makes it even, uh, like, it just adds to it. You know what I mean? I don't want to say it makes mm-hmm. it better just because uh, it's not about that. And I know it's not about that for you. Like you even said, going to the Colorado to that nostalgia area, like just even that is probably just a joy. You know, here's a question though, for you, Josh, when you are planning, especially more so locally for your Arizona hunts, I, I've known you've done this in the past. Are are you uh, having the opportunity to scout at all, head out for a weekend trip. And especially when it comes to a spring bear to have an idea of, okay, this is where they are kind of have going and heading and uh like, what's your game plan as far as like the, the scouting goes and how does that differentiate when you do the out of state hunt?
1: Yeah. So for sure. So the good, the Arizona, obviously like I live here. So, mm. so like it's a big difference between, yeah, I'm going to go, drive an hour and a half and go on a scouting trip than it is, you know, like when I go to Utah, that's like a 14 hour drive. Yeah. I just don't have the opportunity to do that, like to just go scout. Um, so I'm really relying on, uh, e-scouting previous experience, like, um, where I tend to find whatever animal I'm looking for based on topography and elevation and time of year and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, but, but like to, to go back to the scouting thing here in Arizona, like I, I'm, I'm still doing that. Like I scouted, I've got a big fall black bear hunt coming up here in October. I scouted for that in March and in April, I've been on two scouting trips so far. So I've put in, I, I, I did one big day at 16 miles. Um, look, just looking around. Um, and then I, I packed in, uh, for a night a couple weeks later, uh, to, to go even further than I did to look around. And it's all, it was all really like, like, I, I didn't, I knew I wasn't going to see any bears, you know, or I knew the likelihood was low, but like, it was more so, uh, through the years I've just kind of like learned, I think you need to focus on where animals are going to be, not where they are. Right. So like, for me, Okay, what I'm doing? Like, I was like, okay, I'm planning a fall bear hunt in October. What is the food source in October? Right. So I'm looking for those plants and stuff, like those trees that are not. So for me, it's it's oaks. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Oaks. Mm-hmm. They're going and they're going to be hitting acorns like mad. So I want to go find where those those certain oak species are that are fruiting in October. Right. Okay. Along with that, where can I see these oaks from, you know, so this is a glassing intensive hunt for me. So I need to have the vantage points to be able to see where these, where I think these bears are going to come into, where's the water, water's mandatory in in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Okay. So putting this, like these pieces together, also it's a backpack hunt, backpack hunt. So where am I going to sleep? You know, where am I, where am I going to get water? right like yeah. what are the routes to get around and stuff like that so what's the wind doing <laughs> okay. like so i try to like pay attention to all this like while i'm out on these scouting trips and i used to keep like a like notes in my phone which i should probably go back to that cuz this is has gotten foggy yeah, yeah. with dad life you know <laughs> yep, what you mean? Yep. <laughs> So, um, but that's what, I, that's what I'm looking for, man. I'm trying to figure out, like you, you're really trying to predict the future in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I almost, you know, like when it comes to deer, you know, our, a big part of our deer season here for bow hunters is we were, is in December and January, we get to hunt them during the rut. So in the past I would go on scouting trips for that. And, um, if I saw a buck, so if, say I go out in November, right. If I saw a buck, I would I I would leave.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I would go somewhere else. I'm like because he's not going to be there, right? You know, so I would try to find several groups of does because the does are pretty predictable, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And those does are going to be there in December and January, so I try to find several groups of does and keep keep tabs on them throughout the weeks, right? Yeah, and and uh, they're pattern their situation never really changed too much unless a lion moves in or something. Right. And right. It kind of drives them out, which that's, I mean, that can happen, but like it hasn't happened too much with me. Right. Um, So this is the same thing. You're you, this, the same exact thing as a food, like where the does are, the buck is going to be. So you're predicting where he's going to be, not where he is. It was just, which I would get asked questions in the past be like, Oh, did you see any bucks? And I'm like, no, I don't want to. And yeah. like, why? You know, it's like, well, you know you, you're kind of trying to it's, it's kind of a head trip but you're trying to think ahead of the game yeah so that's that's what i try to do um here in arizona and then you know out of state it is very 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 e-scout driven mm-hmm. like not just looking at maps like I look at maps and like all the time to, uh, so for backpack hunting, I'm looking for flat spots using satellite imagery to find out where I can sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where, where's the water in relation to where I think I'm going to camp. Okay. Where's the gla- where are some, what are some glassing routes, You know, maybe I can hop up on a ridge from camp and use this ridge to move along, looking, look off both sides, seeing in the different basins and stuff like that. Try to come up with these like plans. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, along with that, it's like, where, uh, where is, where do I think the deer are going to be? OK, it's given the time of year. So if we're talking early season, so like early season for me, I really like focusing on east faces. Mm-hmm. OK, so what I mean by that is mountain sides that face. So if this is a mountain. OK, it faces to the east. OK, the reason for that is that's where the sun is going to hit in the morning. It tends to be where the, the most food source is. It's a little more open. Mm-hmm. And in the early season, like for mule deer, uh, they had, their coats are, like, red. So that pops in the sun, okay? So it sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, so I'm looking for stuff like that, but not just maps. I go on, like, like, like when I'm, like, scouting for bears and stuff like that, or it, anything, it doesn't matter, I'll go on, like, hiking websites, Okay. Like backpacking websites and look at people's trail logs because they lay it all out. Right. Like no one's trying to be secretive with, with like, they're like, yeah, yeah. When I got to this point, uh, we saw a bunch of bear scat and I'm like, woo (laughs) (laughs) you know, and then they'll have pictures. So, so what I was talking about for food source earlier, um, uh, you know, by the way, bear hunting, you're going to learn more about plants, uh, good, though. than you'll ever learn. Okay. But, um, people will take pictures on their backpacking trips and stuff like that. And I can see the trees in the, in the brush. And I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, that's manzanita yeah. or that's a scrub yeah. oak. You know what I mean? Yep. So, and they're at this point, like there's, they say, Oh yeah, when I got up and all this top here, it was just all this. So, So I try to really pay attention to all that stuff. Um, And I think that right there is what, that's like the next level of e-scouting yeah to me because I was going to ask you
0: that I was going to ask you like what are other than just looking at the maps what other little nitty-gritty things are you taking advantage of and that is one I know like my buddy Tim he goes really hard into like looking at what the weather forecast did for that area almost like for the entire year you know what I mean is it going to be Mm
1: -hmm.
0: green or is there could could there still be snow like all that type of stuff so that's what I really I'm so glad you're diving into this Josh because it is critical for or anybody that like, you could even take this in translation into the whitetail side of things, even for an out of state hunt. Right. And that's why I love this yeah. because it's so applicable to wherever you are, but specifically for right now, for us individuals or anybody that's going out West. And these are little snippets that if you have not done it already, hopefully you could throw it in there before you head out here in a couple of weeks. So, you know, I love that the tra- like the trail thing, dude, like that is really clever.
1: Yeah and then like another so in terms of like satellite imagery like something else i've learned is so on google earth um you can do like uh historical imagery mm-hmm. okay so the reason why i i really like that is because if i'm looking for oaks i can look back into october of last year or november or something like that and the oak leaves turned turn colors yep, right so i can see them from above so i then i know oh this strip right here is all gamble oak mm-hmm. okay so i know that right there that's a point of interest for me come october if we're talking bear hunting or whatever Yep. um and 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 then like for water like water is very scarce here in arizona okay so in terms of like this works for snow melt too if you're trying to figure out like uh um, so a couple, a couple things, uh, let, let me touch on the water first. I'll get into the snow after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the water thing here, you can use that historical imagery. So I'll, I'll, uh, peruse Canyon bottoms via satellite imagery and look and, and notate pools of natural pools of water that, that show up. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll go back in history to the driest time of the year that I can think of, which is normally in June. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. If that water is still there in June, I know that's a reliable water source, not just for the animals, but for me, right? Like I should be able to get some water out of there. If I'm, if I'm backpacking, I can filter water out of there, um, to on the snow side of things though, like, like, so that hunt that I did, uh, the Idaho one mule deer last October, um, that was so e-scout driven, like probably more like, like I, my, the reason I feel like the reason I killed that buck was because of e-scouting. I had no, I had never hunted mule deer in October ever in my life. Everyone has always told me how hard it is. And it really is. It really is. But I took what everyone said to heart about, okay, well, what is the mule deer doing in October? Okay. So like they're in this like transition period. Between, like, they're not quite, like, in uh, the early season, you'll find them up, you know, at the tops of the mountains, 10, 11, 13,000 feet. They're up there in velvet. But then as this, the fall moves on, they start moving down, mm-hmm. right? They'll start moving down a little bit, okay? So my thinking with that was, like, okay, I'm going to find this area, like, a, like an area that I would think they would be in in the early season. And then what are some likely travel routes that they could get down? So like big, long ridge lines and stuff like that, that they could take down to get to lower elevation. Okay. So i would use the, the, um, the, the whole snow melt thing, the historical imagery, like where is the snow tend to be? If if there is any snow during this time of year, you know what I mean? And you're like, okay, well, I don't think they're going to be up here because I don't think they're going to want to be up in that stuff. You know, so um, I just found like big long, like big swings in elevation, like 10,000 feet to like 6,500 feet, stuff like that. It goes all the way down to like right. wintering type ground. And I'm like, I'm going to put myself in between. I'm going to put myself in between that and like, what are some good glassing spots? And like, the de- like I had been looking at this hillside on Onyx for <laughs> nine months. Okay. Yep. Nine months because Idaho makes you buy a tag in December. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and that's where the mule deer worked. Not saying I, I'm not a mule deer expert. Okay. It, but but with e-scouting, I was I it just it worked. Yeah. Like the plant sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't. That time it worked. You know, so um there's definitely value there, man. And learning is it's not like pounding ground is uh, there is no information greater that you're going to get than getting out there and pounding ground with your feet. Okay. But there is, um, if you can be calculated, mm-hmm. okay. I feel mm-hmm. like you could be more efficient, mm-hmm. right? Cause just walking around aimlessly. Yeah. Okay. That doesn't, I mean, you maybe you, you get lucky and you run into something, but if you can put yourself into areas of interest, where you have the highest likelihood of not just seeing an animal, but you have the highest likelihood. I mean, another thing I was doing, I was, I was measuring distance yep. from like certain, from like one hill to another be like, okay, well, can I shoot from here? Mm-hmm. Like figuring that stuff out? Is it even huntable? Right. 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 Cause if you're like three miles away and there's, there's a giant gorge in between you and this really rad face that deer are going to be on. That doesn't do you any good. Right. Right. Next so, level. um, that's yeah. Anyways, sorry, dude, <laughs> like, next I heard out on this stuff and, uh, but I think there's value there, man. Like it, like the off season is never truly the off, off season. season. You could be, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you could be sitting there and, and doing your homework with your, with your maps and doing research and stuff like that. And, and, uh, no time is wasted. So.
0: If you're in the market for finding a new trail camera, I highly encourage you to look no further than Exodus. Exodus has two main options to choose from as far as cameras go. A budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality. The Exodus Rival is the camera for you. Simplicity meets functionality in this easy to use, feature-rich cell camera. The Rival offers crystal clear photo quality, easy setup and use with complete remote management through the app anywhere in the world. Two already are set up in Northeastern PA for me, and they're working flawlessly. And if you're looking for an all-encompassing cell camera, seriously, look no further than the Render. It's their flagship camera. It stood the test of time for thousands of hunters across the country. I have one deployed here locally where I live, and another one I'm saving for back at Northeastern PA. Again, zero issues. And I'll tell you what, Exodus stands by their five-year warranty for accidents or for theft top of the line customer service so see for yourself why so many made the switch to exodus and experience the exodus difference use code au to get 15 percent off your first camera today i'm able to take a lot away I'm from this because i th- i believe when when that e-scouting gets thrown out so much and I think a lot of people will just go onto a map, look at it, and do, you know, like you said, measure. And the one aspect that I love that you said, Josh, was being calculated, right? And and going back to the historical thing, but to to really key in on that, that calculated move, I've been learning, to look at my map, and find those areas of interest, just like you said, going off the historical data and all that type of stuff, I will do like almost like a pre, a pre walk line and in a general area. So when I get there, pull up my, my, my phone and follow my track basically. And it, obviously I, I deviate from it just cause I'm in that area, but I'm able to find and have a precise calculated move through the woods. So then that way I know if it's, it's a, it's a, Hey, this, warrants either a camera or to come back in here sometime in the hunt or to scout a little bit more and then there's other times where it's like okay i cannot hunt this area and one or two it's just the sign's not there and maybe you just know you cross that off so i really there's a lot that what you said not only for a western hunter but obviously for whitetail guys take a lot out of that because josh that was really really great information and i like you I can nerd out on that stuff. And, and that was really informative. And you're getting me the itch Mount West again with all this <laughs> talk about basins and the mountains and all that stuff. But you know, when you look at at your planning process and the e-scouting is obviously in that, how else do you go about dictating on where you want to get a tag and where, I mean, cause you, you you're in that Mecca hub. Like you have that capability of, of mule deer, coos deer, bear, deer, elk, deer, bear, that stuff so how do you plan your process of coming up with the you know the 2023 hunting season for yourself
1: so um there's a few things there like like one of them is just honestly like what do i want to do yeah you know like what like and what i mean by that is what what like what what kind of experiences do i want to have in 2023 you know um I still consider myself to be a a new high country mule deer hunter, you know. I, I think I've been doing it now for like five years or so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I am I feel still feel like I'm new, you know. Um, I I still feel like there's a lot that I want to experience, and honestly, it's it's just addicting, um, just being up there above <laughs> the trees and, yep. and seeing the the big velvet mule deer and stuff like that, and it's so like the spot and stock thing is so in line with, with how I learned how to bow hunt in Arizona that it's just in, I just feel at home when I do that. So, so that's another thing for me is, is, is it's like, what do you want to do? But, but also, you know, um, I want to be successful and what am I successful at? Like what, like what, what are my, my strengths and what are my weaknesses? You know? So, so um I try to do the hunts that I know I'm going to be able to do, okay? Mm-hmm. Like opportunity, like what, like high draw odds, that type of stuff. The hunts that I want to do, given the style, but also I like to throw in one. Like last year, I went to Nebraska because it was com- I had never done it, right? Like it's completely like that is not in my my wheelhouse at all, but I want to get good at it you know, and the only way to get good at what you're not good at is to go do what you're not good at. Right. So I try to sprinkle stuff like that into, um, like the bear hunt I did, uh, last year in Arizona, that was an ambush hunt, which is something I'm not really used to. I'm used to glassing bears and trying to sneak in on them. Right. Okay. So I was like, I'm really excited to do this because it's different.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but for the most part, I try to cater the hunts to me and my style and, obviously like driving distance too like i drive i'm mm-hmm. i'm not like i'm not opposed to flying but like i just prefer to drive so um like around me colorado utah idaho idaho's a poke a bit mm-hmm. um so i hunt in those states mostly because it, they're within striking distance of me they also offer a lot of opportunity and like i don't really go too much off of like like people like look at success rates mm-hmm. for harvests um, I don't really pay too much attention to that. It's good to know. I'm, I'm more, yeah, I, I more pay attention because like, there's like, so there's like, there's units here where I've, you know, I've gotten coos deer out of that's a 1% success rate. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? I think, mm-hmm. I think it depends on, uh, who has the, who's hunting, you know, like who, how good they know the area. Um, and, uh, how, how good they know deer and how good they know the animal and stuff like that. I think that's way more, uh, what is that saying? Like, uh, 10% of the hunters kill yeah. 90% of the game or yeah. whatever. Like, yeah. I think that's true, dude. It really yeah. is, you know? Uh, and I'm not like, I'm not trying to like say that I'm part of that entirely, but like I, you know, I, I, am I think I've gotten to the point where I'm consistent mm-hmm with with hunting with my bow hunting you know i never i don't kill something every time i go out but but it seems like um um i usually i'm fortunate most a lot of times you know so um so that's how i go about the planning thing and then like like uh the time of year is also like what do i want to experience so like here for instance like here so i have a late archery bull tag here in arizona this year nice I really like hunting elk in September. Okay. But I like high country mule deer more mm-hmm. and they happen during the same time. Okay. So like, <laughs> so that goes back to what I want to do, but it also lets me hunt elk in my home state more often than not. Yeah. I mean, the point thing is really kind of a shame. You know like like it, it just i understand why it's there but it kind of sucks man you know like you know especially out-of-staters i mean it's going to take sometimes 20 points to draw an elk tag here in arizona That's Wild. you know and so on these late archery elk hunts you know i drew one last year or no i drew one the year before i'll drew drew one again this year like it like it's not like, and like super hard to get them, mm-hmm. but I get to hunt the same elk, these trophy bulls or whatever that dudes are hunting in September. Yeah. You know, yep. it's just a spot and stock thing. They're not bugling, yeah. which again falls in line with what I like to do. Yeah. Yeah. A God. weakness of mine is calling. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time calling. I'd like to learn more about it. And I think maybe that's been a hang up of mine in september in the past right is my ignorance to calling spot and stalking though i, I can spot and stalk the heck out of out of elk you know so mm-hmm. um so that's kind of how i go about the year man i yeah. don't know like this so this this october um is a hunt for me uh in arizona that i've never done before that's cool in this way yeah it's, yeah. it's, a like a big, a fall black bear hunt, which I've done plenty of that here, but I've never done just a big gnarly backpack hunt for black bears in Arizona in October with my bow. I've, I've packed in before with a rifle mm-hmm. and, and, uh, I haven't been successful doing that yet here, but with my bow is something I've never done. Right. Ever. And it's always been something I want to do, but I've never dedicated the amount of time. I've got like eight or nine days planned back there. And I think we're going to find some bears. But so that right there is something I wanted to do for years. Boom. And I'm like, that's it. I'm doing it. This is a year. I'm going to do it. So I early spring started scouting for that, getting like really taking initiative. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, because I think it's important, man. I think you can get in a rut, right?
0: Yeah, no doubt.
1: Like like with like... yeah. Like doing the same exact thing every single year. Right. Uh-huh. And just like never really expanding past that. And it's like, yeah, you can, if you got one spot where you know you can be successful every single year, that's fine. But that doesn't really like, in my opinion, help you grow as a hunter. Agreed. You know, like, cause you're only in one situation. Mm hmm. Right. In order to like grow and get better, you need to put yourself in multiple situ like multiple situations so you right. can learn how to adapt to all of those. I love that. Right, and then through that you can apply that to a wa- even wider range of of situations. Right. So yeah, I, I yeah that's kind, that's yeah. kind of how I I don't know if that made sense or not. Yeah. But that's kind of how I go about yeah. planning one, the year.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Now this yeah, is a great. Now continuous topic to to this and you made it a, you wrote an article for go hunt on this and i i took a lot out of it. so it was the thinking outside the box on a bow hunt and you know it, this really applies to anyone with a bow in their hand i don't care if you're out in Arizona where josh is climbing the backwoods with going on a bear hunt or trying to chase a coos deer to Idaho then or here in Pennsylvania for whitetail i just like there are certain topics in that that obviously really do pertain to the Western things, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, there, there's a million and one ways to skin a cat, right. To, so to speak, Mm -hmm. but like you have to find what works for you and what you were just talking about. Like you, you know what you're good, you're good at and you do it, but then there's things that you know you're not good at. So you do it to get better at that. Mm -hmm. So just like, I don't know, I guess maybe discuss a little bit about, where this article topic came from, because, you know, it's obviously you wrote it and I, I don't know. I just think that a take home, that take home message really could pertain to a lot of bow hunters in general. Right. Like I know you talked about like different styles, about being aggressive. Um, like mm-hmm. just, you know, just, you always hear podcasts like do this, do that, or articles, do this, do that, but you don't have to. And that is the one aspect that I feel for me personally that I've done a better job over the last year and a half of doing is instead of trying to take a million and one different of these amazing whitetail hunters and to, to make it my own, like, I'm going to be try to be the ultimate, like, no, like do what works for me and improve upon things that I suck at. So then that way I could become the best hunter that I could be. So man, like dive into this article of thinking outside the box on a bow hunt where you just, you know, why, why did you write that basically? So the, the, the,
1: the reason I wanted to write that was because when I was just first starting out, mm-hmm. um, I was trying to obviously ingest as much hunting knowledge as I could from other sources, right. Be it hunting forums, magazines, videos, whatever. Um, and everything came across as like, like it had, there was these rules, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, like for instance, like, like when I was trying to learn how to spot and stock deer with my bow, everything said you got to bed the deer down. You got to bed the deer down, bed them down, bed them down. Well, in Arizona, that doesn't work all the time because we have this going on with topography. Okay. Okay, if you're looking at, like, a big giant basin, a big bowl where you can watch a deer do everything, that's different. But in rolling country, deer disappear in a hurry. Okay, so I spent a lot of time trying to bed deer down and never doing it, which kept me from going after the deer in the first place. Right, right. right. Um, So I wanted to write that because, like, I think that is for new hunters especially, they hear these, like, rules okay and they get they really attach themselves to those yeah okay like like dude here's another one ready like people might argue with me on this always have the wind in your face you know what i've had success finding animals with the wind at my back Yep. okay the bear that i shot last year the wind was at my back but it was a rising thermal yeah which means that the 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 wind my scent went towards the bear, but over him. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was the key to killing that bear. Yeah. Before that, the the wind wasn't the wind was like it, it wasn't right, and I was like, man, what can I do? And I learned this trick from a good friend of mine, um, uh, in Idaho when we were elk hunting, and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I never. It's so simple, dude. I never thought about this. When you hit your puffer, your smoke, you're smoking a bottle. Mm-hmm. Too many people pay attention to the direction, okay, the horizontal direction that that goes. Very few pay attention to the vertical direction. Yeah. Okay, you you'll see the wind, you'll see it go up or go down, right? So you put those two things together: the, the directional and the thermal. Okay. Yep. Now you have another piece to work with. Okay, and it's been said before. A lot of animals they like walking into the wind, right? Because they're trying to smell Mm -hmm. that bear. The wind was blowing up towards up. uh, So I was on an elevated position. Spring was down below me, and across from me was kind of a soft ridge. Okay. And the bears were kind of like bedding up in that area. So I was above that. OK, wind was going towards that area, but over it. Right. And that the, and, and then if the other thing the wind would do was it would go to my left. All paralleling, OK, <laughs> paralleling the trail that the bears were on. using across the drainage. Man. OK, yep. so theoretically, this shouldn't have worked right, right. based on these rules. When in all reality, it it was the perfect setup. Wow. So I think paying attention, what you said, okay, it it sums it up. You you need to find what works for you. When you find something that works on your own in the field, no matter what the rules say, Mm -hmm. okay, like these like quote unquote rules, you need to pay attention to that. Yeah. Okay, so, like, like another thing for me was, like, we're talking about bedding deer down. Um, during the rut, like, I, I'll try to bed, I'll try, like, if it happens, it happens. I'll try to bed deer down in the early season. Right. Um, but in the rut, I never do that. Yeah. I, I'll take note of but where bucks are, make a loop around and try to get ahead of them or just move in on them right off the get-go. OK, because my thinking, the thing that I have found, like the years that I've spent spot and stalking running bucks is they they that buck is being aggressive. So you be aggressive. Yep. Right. And um, I think too many people are timid and they 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 are afraid of blowing up the situation because it's bow hunting. Right. Right. Like this is a very right. is we're walking on eggshells here. Right. Mm-hmm. OK. Uh, but here's the thing. Like there's a deer over there, and you have a deer tag. So go Yo. go over there. Yep. Go over there. Okay. Even in the early season, I'll, I'll stalk deer on their feet feeding because one of the things I like about that is the deer's attention is on its food. food. Yep. Its head's down. And it's moving around. It's making noise walking through the grass, walking through the brush and stuff like that. It's chewing. You hear yourself chew. Correct. When you're eating. Man. Okay. So when they're bedded down, they have nothing to do, but to stay alive. That is that, that is the only thing that they have to pay attention to. Okay. So while like there's pros and cons to to both sides, right? Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to do the thing that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Like the common sense thing. Don't be afraid to do that because here's the thing. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're not going to get them. Right. Big deal. Go on to the next one. Mm Right. Mm-hmm. It, but what might happen, I guarantee what's gonna happen is that whether you blow it up or not, you're gonna learn something. Yeah, no doubt. You're you're either gonna learn no I'm never doing that again, or you're gonna learn, wow, that might work out. Mm-hmm. Like, like for me, like I something I learned early on was uh like some people will do this i just i just won't just maybe i'm just bad at it uh i will never approach a deer from below ever mm-hmm. like it, it has never ever worked out for me ever yeah like take the long route like I'll, i at least want to side hill into a deer okay or, or whatever it is, elk, it doesn't matter the animal. I never want to approach from below. Oh, yep. But I hear about people being successful doing that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. for me, it just doesn't work, so I don't do it. Yeah. You know, so there's nothing wrong with thinking for yourself right? out there. I know guys, I've heard of guys um, literally walking into deer. I think I mentioned this in that article, but guys walking into rutting bucks with their bow here like walking slowly because it looks like Damn. antlers. Yep. Right. I've never done that. Okay. But people do it. Okay. And obviously it works. Okay. It's just <laughs> not my thing. So like, yeah, just like make sense of it for yourself and don't feel like you need to do like tie yourself to these like quote unquote ways that you're supposed to do things. Another thing is arrow setup. Mm-hmm. I can Absolutely yep. grinds my gears, dude. Like the like the the information. Like I understand. Like people are putting out information on like you know like the heavy arrow thing and the the extreme FOC, all that. Like we've all seen it, right? Like yep. it's all it's out there. People are saying it's the best thing since sliced bread. Blah blah blah. Um, my, and on paper, okay. What I'm about to tell you shouldn't work. Okay, last year though in November. My buddy, we we you know he he had this late archery bull tag that I have this year. Found this great six-point feeding by himself. He makes a loop around, comes in over top. Um, 60 yards. Okay. He shot that bull and the bull ran about 50 yards and fell over beneath me. Now, here's the interesting part. His bow was at okay. <laughs> like His bow, I believe, was at 65 pounds. Mm -hmm. It was a Hoyt Power Max, which is like an
0: entry-level bow.
1: bow. Mm -hmm. Okay. He was shooting like a 350-grain arrow, all right, (laughs) which is basically useless in today's society. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you? And he was using a hybrid broadhead. Okay. So it was like, it was fixed and mechanical. He can't find the arrow. (laughs) It like full pass through blew up the elk's heart. Wow. Okay. In theory, this shouldn't work.
0: Yeah. At 60 60 yards.
1: At 60 yards. In theory, this shouldn't work on paper. Okay. But it just goes to show like some of this stuff is so blown out of proportion like, oh yeah, I won't go into the field without a 600 grain arrow for elk. It's like, yeah. dude, like you do not have to do that. Nope. You know what I mean? Like for mm-hmm. any animal, you know, the, the only way that I see it being, um, I don't even know if like beneficial would be the, would be the right word, but like prep, like kind of practical, like the best situation for like a really heavy arrow, in my opinion is like you're hunting like dark timber, very short shots, Mm -hmm. okay? A lot of brush. And yeah, and like for you, like whitetail hunting, you guys are getting really close shots, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't, like from what I experienced, a lot of times you can't even see 40 yards. Right. You know, so having a heavier arrow in those situations, it doesn't make that big of an impact because you're not having to deal with arrow trajectory as much. Right. Your are yep. you're shorter 100. shots, whereas out here, out west, like how I hunt, arrow trajectory is a thing. Yeah. Okay. And like I messed around with the heavy arrow thing for a bit, and like I lost animals doing it. Mm-hmm. And it and it was and once that happened, I was like, I did it for a couple years, and I'm like, I'm out. Yeah. And right, like the month that I switched, <laughs> I started filling all of my tags. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so again like do what works for you like if that makes you comfortable shooting at like a 600 grain arrow then do it yeah but you damn sure don't have, have to. to yep
0: man i agree 100% I, <laughs> I mean that's the i like when i read that article i had that written down and i i saved it on a tab just cuz like even in your sum in your summary of what you said man just i think we overcomplicate things and you've done a really great job explaining what you just did, but also like, I don't know, like you have a great way of just like you were saying earlier, just going out there, experience, have fun. And if a lot of people could take anything away from that is, is just that right. Go out, go have fun, test things out, see what, see what works for you. Go out there and, and just have fun. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the, I, I just, we overcomplicate yeah, things, it, you know, and that's just the no, frustrating sure. part.
1: No, for sure. And in terms of like bow hunting, it's like, go out there, like, remember why you're out there, have fun. But in terms of the gear thing, like you need to go out there with what the thing that you're going to be the most accurate oh,
0: yeah. with. Yep. Yep.
1: The most consistently, like, mm-hmm. like accuracy is way more important. Dude. It don't like the shoulder blade thing. OK, I'm sorry, dude, I get fired up about this stuff, like the shoulder blade thing. You know what? You shouldn't be hitting the shoulder blade. Right.
0: Shouldn't. I agree.
1: That's, that's I ha- it. Like, so instead of like people, I feel like a lot of people plan for failure
0: mm-hmm. and yes. not they yes. don't plan
1: for success. Yes. Yep. Like you're plan It's like you're almost like planning to mess up, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, Why? we just a don't shoot there. Right. You know, I know things happen. I've made bad shots. I've made a lot of bad shots. I have. Okay. But that's my fault. Right. Yeah. That's, that is my fault. I shouldn't have done that, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's how things go sometimes. You know what? Like I've gotten trail camera pictures of deer that have claw marks on them from mountain lions and stuff like that. Guess what? That lion didn't eat that day.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: Okay. The deer got away and sometimes that happens. Yeah. You know, so, so go head into the field with the thing that, that you, when you come to full draw, you have no doubt in your mind that if you do what you're supposed to do, golden, that that arrow is going to go exactly where you want it to go. Yeah. Because any, here's the other thing with like with broadheads, like this gets blown out of proportion too. all the broadheads kill animals. Mm hmm they all do. If you put them where they're supposed to go, they kill animals. So you need to use the one that goes where exactly where you want it time and time again. Yep. Whether that's a fixed blade, a mechanical, whatever. Yep. Like Yep. Shoot the one that is going to you can put on a dot. Yeah. You know, and and go into the field and just have a good time, man, and learn. you know and and i think you're gonna i think you keep doing that you're gonna be successful
0: yeah if you like what josh just said now go to his youtube channel the dialed in hunter and follow along that the uh the road to bow season because josh has done great videos covering things but also has written a ton of great articles regarding target panic all that type of stuff and i you know i I don't know it's just you, you do a great job of all of all that content josh and that stuff was I found very helpful for me for certain things that I was going through and, and have helped uh, myself over the last kind of year and a half of of my shot process and shooting in general. But then also like last year in the, in the field, actually hunting, just being like you said, calm, cool. And, and up here in the mind being confident and knowing that if I do my part, I'm good. Right. To see how much you've grown as a to be able to do this full-time and just still be to your roots and just continuously get better. Man, a lot of people, and this is what I was saying earlier, like earlier in this conversation, that no matter what I th- feel that you are in, whether you're uh, a barber, a, uh, a lineman, a, uh, a construction individual, like just seeing the hard work, or if you want to write and get into the hunting thing, just seeing the hard work that you've built Man, you are the same person from three years ago that I've talked to. And it's just so cool, again, like I said, to see your enhancement, your development, and just what you're doing. Uh, I couldn't be more more happy for you, and I, I can't wait to see what this year has in store for you.
1: Thanks, buddy. I, I that, that means a lot. It really does. I, I try to um, – just, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a hunter, you know what I mean? And and I like, I like talking about what I'm passionate about, you know what I mean? And, and trying to, um, inspire younger, newer hunters, you know, to, to get out there. And I mean, the hunting thing is, is, is almost, um, becoming a, 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 a pastime, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like fewer and fewer Parents are bringing their children up in the outdoors.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, So I think, and we're seeing more and more adult onset hunters. More. And why is that? Right. Why yeah. is that? It's because I feel like it's like in your DNA. No doubt. Like we, like we are. You and I are sitting here talking right now because at some point in history, our, your yeah. ancestors and my ancestors were putting arrows through animals. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like,
1: that's why we're sitting here. You know. So. So I think, so I, I, uh, I take a lot of pride in trying to, uh, be honest with newer hunters and try to, uh, be, um, a humble resource for yeah. them. Um, and, and I, I talk to everyone, like, yeah. it doesn't matter how experienced they are, you know, and it, and it's always a pleasure. And I, on your note, dude, I'd like to say like, I'm like, I, I can't believe three years has gone by, by the way. That's I know. It's scary. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you're still doing this, man. Yeah, I, I am. It's crazy. It, it's awesome. <laughs> I, 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 it shows that you like it. You love yeah, what you do.
0: I do. And, you know,
1: it's really, it's really cool, man. And I'm happy to always come on and, and chat with you.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, yeah. man. And, and like I said earlier, uh, you know, that was obviously talking about you on that professional side, but you know, I, you're also a family guy, you're also a husband and father and you, you know, you have that great balance yeah, yeah. and we've talked about certain things in the past about all that and what a great job you do. Um, but again, to kind of do a little shameless plug, uh, if, if, you are interested in learning a little bit more about Josh's kind of backpack situation of what he's done in his past and how he's kind of, I would say really honed in on it and made it his, his bread and butter. He did write a book, like I said to you earlier in the podcast, it's uh, becoming a backpack hunter, a beginner's guide, uh, to the hunting, the backcountry. When I say this helped me out tremendously, uh, cause I was uh, green as green greens gets. For my first Utah hunt. And again, this came out the perfect timing for that, uh, that, that I think spring before I went, uh, obviously then in, into that summer, uh, in August into Utah. So I did literally, and I know we just talked about, you know, there's rules and all that stuff. We, it's kind of contradicting, but it was a guide, right? It was a guide to help me. Like mm-hmm. there are certain things on there where I was like, okay, that won't apply to me. So just to get a good sense of a grasp under it give it a read and uh i i I highly recommend it so josh where could people follow along and read and watch
1: yeah yeah thanks man uh so i am dialed in hunter on everything like instagram facebook whatever youtube just search dialed in hunter and, and you'll, you'll find me. I'm happy to, I try to answer all the, all the messages and stuff <laughs> like that. Sometimes it takes me a little bit to get back, but I know it's there. Um, and I try to get back to everybody, you know? So, um, yeah, feel, yeah, do that. And then if you want, you want to check out the book, it's on Amazon. Um, really proud of how it came out. And, uh, it's really, you mentioned the rules thing, right? Like it, and it's and and what I lay out in there, what I, my goal with that was, I wanted to give beginners a stepping stone. Yes. Perfect. You know, yeah. Like, like here, try it out this, by you read this book. You've never done this before. You're going to be able to go and do this thing for the first time and then run with it. Do your own thing. Mm-hmm. I just want you to get out there. Yeah. No to doubt. be able to, like, have the confidence to like, kind of know, have like a blueprint of how does this work? Right. You know, and then make it your own. Yeah.
0: That's, so. that's, that's, You said it perfectly better than I did because you wrote it. (laughs) So So I'm telling everybody, please go follow Josh if you already do not because he's a great individual, extremely talented, and an awesome hunter. So uh, we'll see you next week. And be on the lookout as we get off here. I'm going to talk to Josh about one more thing uh, that hopefully before the season starts, we will be able to get him on for uh, a quick mini session. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you next week. Antler up.